For the first time in their history, the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. And we did it, Frank. We freaking did it. We get to go home and we get to bring the Stanley Cup home to a city that's been waiting 40 freaking nine years. I can't wait. Would you say that this is the greatest moment of your life? It is and probably will forever be for the rest of my life. It's un unreal. You know, I had three chances, didn't make it, but tonight makes up for it all. And whatever happened before, this night makes up for it. And not just for me, as I told you before. St. Louis, our fans, our players, our owners. I mean, I don't know what to say. It was, uh, it was very tough on me, this series, walking around, but I wanted it so bad, so bad. Welcome to another edition of the Blues Plus Podcast, your home of the Stanley Cup champion, Blues. I'm Corey Miller. I'm here with Frank Cusimano. A day after the parade, that was one of the most surreal things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Frank, can you believe what we saw yesterday? No, still can't. Um, I talked to one Blues official today, and he said he thinks the figure of what they're hearing is 1.5 million, which is positively flabbergasting because you were thinking, hey, there's going to be maybe a half a million people down there. Well, if you count everything, all the surrounding areas from the Enterprise to the Arch, and they're coming up with that number, I mean, who knows? It's pretty tough to count. Yeah, I do know, I don't know it was they... a massive, impressive display of humanity. So you've seen, how many parades have you seen? Three? So, no, well, four. Two Cardinals, one Rams, and then this one. This would be you know, this four. is the fourth yeah. one. Does this just blow everything out of the water? Absolutely. I think the weather has something to do with it. You know, it was so such, supposed to be a daunting day, and it turns out to be just magnificent, a little breeze, not too hot. We're talking about St. Louis in June. Yeah. But the feel-good angle, I mean, look, I didn't see, like, fights in 2006 or 11 or 99. But man, the love. Oh my goodness. It was like a complete love fest. And I don't know if we've ever had athletes want to embrace and involve the fans. Like that thing is 35 pounds and Alex Petrangelo making sure that fans are touching it and Ryan O'Reilly and and then just people high-fiving and spraying. It was crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. We'll get back to the parade, but we haven't had a podcast since Game 7 ended. Let's talk about the actual game a little bit. Uh, going into it, I was I had like a weird calm over me. Before Game 6, man, I did not think it was going to happen at home. It just had the feeling about it. It was too good to be true. Then Game 7, I mean, I felt like the Blues had it the whole way. Going into Game 7, did you think it was going to happen that night, or did you think we were going to get our hearts broken again? Well... The only thing I was confident in is that they were going to play a good game. We weren't going to have a 4 or 5 nothing shellacking. There's no way the 2019 Blues, coming off a loss in the biggest game of the season, were going to lay an egg. Now, I didn't know that Boston would lay an egg yeah. and that Tuka Rask would not be at the zenith of his season. I didn't know that. Biddington and Rask in that first period, just the two—how different— their first periods were was insane. Rask, two goals on four shots. Bennington played. That was the best performance by any St. Louis athlete I've seen maybe ever, his first period in Game 7. Well, I don't know. You could probably make a case for David Fries well, in Game yes. 6 and Bob Pettit in Game 6. But it's up there. It's in the equation. And I will say this is sometimes shots on goal are the most deceiving things in sports. There were three saves in a four-minute and, like, 15-time span. And the Boston Bruins could have been up 3 nothing, yeah. and this series would have been freaking over. Yes. Jordan Bennington said that night, that period, it's not happening. It's not happening. That place 
was dead silent. I think even after Petrangelo's second goal, you started seeing Boston fans just, they were out of it the rest of the way. And it was, man, that was nice to see. Honestly, I'll take a dead silent Boston crowd. I love St. Louis and I love the Enterprise Center, but I'll take a dead silent Boston crowd instead of a crazy Enterprise Center crowd because that was just very satisfying. <laughs> it really was great. If, if you have to you know, go back in time a little bit and remember all the pain that the city of Boston has inflicted on our city, sometimes cheating, sometimes not. <laughs> but, you know, as I've said before, the, the two common denominators when I go to Boston are the weather is crappy and St. Louis gets beat by Boston. Not this time. Sanford got a nice goal at the end, too. That was a nice little moment for him. The well, key goal, I thought, too, was Braden Shen. Because when that one was scored and it was 3 to nothing, yeah. that's when you knew it's over. 52 years of futility is over as soon as Braden Shen's goal went in. I agree. That's when I kind of exhaled, too, because when it was still 2 to nothing, I, it was yeah. way too close, and you thought, okay, the next goal's going to win. Yeah, and you thought, too, if Boston scores, they're going to have this full-court press, and they're just going to be crazy, and they're going to somehow tie the game and then win in overtime. But when that third one went in, no way. But I will say this. When they went up 2 to nothing at the end of the period, I remember just— you know, walking down uh, out of the press box, and I see Bernie Federko, and we were talking, and I, and I said to Bernie, I said, they're not scoring three goals off this guy. They're not scoring three goals off Jordan Bennington. When yeah. you went up two, wow. What was your feeling when you saw Petrangelo raise it for the first time? Because that was, I was holding myself together pretty good, but as a Blues fan, when I saw him pick that up and that amazing picture uh, that's on the cover of Sports Illustrated now with, like, the things going off behind him and all the pyrotechnics. Man, that really got me. What was your feeling when you first saw him pick it up? By the way, I have not seen. Ooh. I mean, I've seen the picture, but I haven't seen the cover of SI. It's something. Wow. It's really good. You know, I've gotten SI every year for probably 45 years. I mean, basically since I've been 10 years old. And I just, like, got rid of it about, like, six months ago. Actually, This is a commemorative issue. I think you have to get yeah. this one, like, separate. But I think the Blues— We'll sell that, I'm sure. The only time I can remember the Blues being on, when St. Louis was named the best sports city— Oh, no. Uh, Brett Hall's been uh, on there. Brett Berenson was, was on, on in 1969. Yeah. But, yeah, this cover is something special. Out on the ice afterwards— uh, what were kind of the moments that stuck out to you? Your interview with Bob Plager was pretty awesome. Uh, he was holding it together pretty good, but you could tell he was emotional. Layla, we got her again. And just everybody, it was just a hug fest. It was like the parade. Everybody get getting together and coming together and just having the emotions come out. Pat Maroon, I was over there when he met his family for the first time afterwards. And his embrace with his son, oh, it was just something special. What did you take away from the ice? Well, uh, a couple things. There was... You know, if it wasn't Zach Sanford talking about his deceased father, yeah. then it was Bob Plager talking about his brother, Barkley Plager, or it was the eloquent and kind of reclusive Al McKinnis really opening up. He had a good story. Yeah, that he was kind of the one who told Jordan Bennington, this is it, kid. You got a chance here. You, you can do this. And, you know, Al, in the 10 or 11 years he played here, was always a really good interview and always a go-to guy for us. And it became kind of weird that he has not really spoken much over the years. And I think Doug prefers it. He also made Larry Robinson kind of unavailable too. And um, to get back to interviewing Al was just kind of cool. And, and, and Bernie and 
All those alumni out there, it's so great. Yeah. That's maybe my favorite part of this whole thing, especially seeing the parade yesterday. This is their championship, too. I mean, Brett Hull won two Stanley Cups, but I think this one means more to him than both of those. Yeah. We said that on the air yesterday that, you know, the Dallas one was really great. He scored the game-winning yeah. goal, and Detroit was really sweet because that was such a Hall of Fame-laden team. But I think this does mean more. I remember be at, being at the uh, Marriott at about 2.30 that night yeah. at the party, and Brett hugged me, and I'm normally kind of uncomfortable with people hugging me. And it must have lasted like for a minute. And then yesterday, he said, Frank, come here, let's take a picture. And so fortunately, the blues photographers were out there, and they took a picture of me and of Brett and I. And I'm going to make sure that that one's safe. I've there. seen that. That was a yeah. good. That was a good moment. Um, what did you think of the kind of order? Petrangelo passed the cup off. Of course, it was Bowmeister first. He's waited yeah. the longest. Then Steen and Perron got their moments early. I like to see that, too, because they've they put a lot of time in here in St. Louis, and you could tell they really satis- they were really satisfied in that moment. Yeah, I I don't Did Steen say he's here for 11 years? Was it? So he's been in the NHL for 14. I just had looked that up yesterday, but I think he's been with St. Louis for... 12? Yeah, it's insane. And when he yeah. said that, he said it right before we went on the air. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then Perron, with this note, is that he's only signed a contract with one team in his <sighs> NHL career. Yeah. Three different stints here. And yesterday, during the parade, he says, I can't talk. Not because he was <laughs> emotional. He just completely had lost his voice. <laughs> he's been partying maybe the hardest. Also, Chris Thorburn got a minute and 52 seconds of ice time this season and was like the fourth guy to get the cup. I think that just goes to show. I mean, this is a team that's just so close knit. And even though he didn't play, he was a big, big yeah. part of and it. Forty-five minutes earlier, he was in a suit, yeah, watching the game in the press box with all of us. And it's a great thing to have the healthy scratches dress I, yeah. in the final moments. I'm sure some teams are not afforded that luxury because the game could go either way. Mm-hmm. But when it's up three nothing and Jordan Bennington is playing like he is, hey boys. Get dressed. You're going on the. I ice. was wondering how that was going to play out, and I'm really glad they did it that way. Let's Hockey get... does everything great. They including do, including the shaking of the hands, yeah. which blows away every sport. Maybe you couldn't even do that in other sports because. Can you imagine after the Super Bowl, them out there shaking hands? No. <laughs> it's just too much pandemonium right away. All right, let's go back to tomorrow. We touched on some of these a little bit already, but there's just so many great moments. Uh, You touched on it. The players actually interacting with the fans was definitely my favorite part. You don't see that all the time, and these guys just want to share this with the city and with everyone, and they're out there hugging people. Tarasenko was just a smile on his face the whole time, making moments for fans, signing autographs, drinking with fans. Pareko had... Three guys pouring full beers down his throat. It was, I mean, I've never seen a team interact with fans yeah. like that during a parade. It's a good thing they played the Boston Bruins last Wednesday instead of tomorrow. <laughs> because <laughs> that team could not play hockey. Oh, won't no be able to way. play hockey for a couple of days. A lot of them already scattered. The Chief is already, uh, he's already back home as we speak. So and The team's in Vegas. Some of them. Yeah. But uh, a lot of the guys... Now, Baruby's going to have to be in Vegas for the coming awards. up Wednesday. Yeah. In fact, you know, you know, along those lines is I had a, um, a really, really wealthy ex-hockey player who's from Toronto contact me and contact Kay Quinn, too, uh, about flying Layla to Las Vegas for the awards ceremony. Oh, that'd be cool. He was going to use his private jet. 
and fly out Layla and her family. But I think they felt that Layla has been through she's, enough. Yeah. So she's going to decline she, this one. She could use a break. And they wanted to use her, and this would have been a great thing, for the draft. So he said, what about the draft? Announce their pick or yeah, something. So yeah, so what, that would be the most attention-grabbing thing in the yeah, NHL draft. that would be good. However... The Blues don't have a first-round draft pick. Oh, so yeah. yeah. There's really no need to send somebody there for that. So take us through one of my favorite moments yesterday, the Braden Shen uh, <laughs> champagne celebration there. You were trying to get him on the crowd, and he turned it on yeah. you. Is that what? <laughs> exactly. So I told him, because he had already sprayed certain sections of the audience. So uh, I said, wait here just a second. And he's always very patient. He's waited for me during all of these post-game shows. Yeah, no problem. So I said, hey, why don't you hold, open it up another bottle because he's about to open up. I said, and then we can get you spraying everybody uh, as soon as we go on live. And then <laughs> that little rascal decides to, <laughs> to nail me. I go, no, not me, them. It made for some good TV. Yeah. That was good. Pat Maroon should just be named King of St. Louis by now. Him, the Oakville band leading him out. Yeah. Him on the big rig. Man, he's having the time of his life. Him up on the stage. Yelling out, I'm a hometown hero. That was maybe my favorite moment yesterday. Pat Maroon is and, just and living it up. And his lovely fiance, Francesca, Charlie Gito's granddaughter, on top She's on of top, a big yeah. rig, which didn't seem like the safest no. place to be, especially <laughs> if you've had a little bit of alcohol. But uh, fortunately, she was fine. Petrangelo and his triplets walking down the street. That was yeah. cool, too. He had two of them. He had two he of them. Yeah, yeah, he had two, and then somebody else was carrying a third would one. would have been tough. Um, Tom Stillman had to have had the time of his life and he deserves it. I mean, this is this guy is the owner that we deserve it here in St. Louis and yesterday I had to have been a dream come true. Did you talk to him along the parade route? I don't remember. Of course. Yeah. yeah. He uh you know, he's understated, but he's just overwhelmingly positive. And I think I go back to game 6 uh right before the game we're doing live shots and he is literally in the stands just shaking yeah. hands and thanking fans for coming. I mean, I, God bless Bill DeWitt, who I love. I don't know if I've ever seen that. He's, <laughs> no. he, that's just the way he is. Curtis Francois sometimes does it at um, at the track, yeah. but it's amazing. Tom Stillman, is, he's one of our great owners. He really he is. is. And so many, like, reputations and legacies have been made over this 64-day period. Yeah. Tom Stillman, one of the greatest owners. Um, Jordan Bennington, one of the greatest performances. Berube. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Craig Berube. Yep. So would you have voted O'Reilly instead of Bennington for Consmite? Yeah, because... I was going to mention that earlier. Bennington had some off days. Yeah. He really did. And O'Reilly, of course, you know, joins Gretzky, first guy to score a goal I think the second Stanley Cup final games. I think if Bennington would have finished off the shutout and O'Reilly wouldn't have gotten any points in Game 7, I think Bennington would have got it. Well, I even think that if Bennington would have had the shutout, it would have been close. Yeah. 18 people vote on it. They take like three hardcore guys from St. Louis, three hardcore guys from Boston, yeah. and then the rest are national. So, yeah, that would have been really interesting if Bennington would have gotten the shutout. Last thing here, I know you've wrote about this, and, and after yesterday it's hard not to be kind of a prisoner of the moment, but is this the best moment in St. Louis sports history? Yeah, I do think that um, because Cardinals have won five times in my lifetime. And they're going to win again, and it's really special, and nothing can ever take anything away from the Cardinals. But when it's happened again and again and again, it's not quite yeah. as special. The Rams were only here four or five years when they won that thing, and the fact that they've left us kind of leaves you with just a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth. But this thing, waiting this long, starting last, 
Layla, Gloria. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And you could see it yesterday. Just the love. I mean, St. Louis fans are some of the most loyal fans in the country. And of course, they, they support their Cardinals. But the love for the Blues over 52 years really is impressive. And it was just nice to see everybody. It just paid off over the last couple days. And it's just been great to see. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This is probably our last episode of the Blues Plus podcast for the year, but we'll have definitely more episodes of the Sports Plus podcast where we'll talk a little more wide-ranging on St. Louis sports topics.